Welcome to Written on Your Face. I'm Tina Powers, holistic esthetician and health coach with over 22 years of experience. I've helped thousands of people to improve their digestion and hormone balance, decrease stress, and to view their skin as a barometer for their internal health. I'm here to teach you how to take charge of your health, refine your skincare, and bring back your radiant glow. Hey there, it's Tina Powers, your esthetician friend. Welcome to Written on Your Face, the show where we talk about health, wellness, and skincare products, and anything under the sun that might show up eventually or immediately on your skin. Today, I want to talk about clutter and specifically how clutter impacts our stress levels, thereby impacting the inflammatory response in our body, the cortisol production in our body, and then showing up on our skin. It can show up as breakouts, it can show up as sallowness, inflammation, like rosacea, eczema, etc. Um, I recently went to donate some items at Goodwill and the donation line was literally around the block. I had no time. I still have them in my car. <laughs> uh, I'll have to do it later. It's the first week of the year, so it makes sense that people would want to clear out excess clutter and excess items, probably replaced some items because of Christmas gifts or whatever, but it's a good conversation to have. Clutter, what is it actually doing to us? You know, we are purchasing things at a much faster rate these days and with such ease it takes seconds to quickly purchase something online from our phone while we're standing in line at a store or while we are sitting in traffic or while we are on our lunch break or whatever i mean who's not scrolling endlessly on their phone and there are endless amounts of apps that will allow you to shop for any number of items so we're just getting delivery after delivery after delivery. I live in a building. We have a mail room and in the mail room, I'll, I'll get a package every so often. And when I go into the mail room to check, that thing is just jam packed with packages. And I mean, there's a lot of people living in the building, but we've gotten numerous messages from management asking people to come and check to see if they have packages. So we order so much stuff that we don't even remember what we ordered enough to know when it's been delivered and to go pick it up. That's a problem. That is just rampant consumerism that's done from a state of probably numbing or just boredom. It's interesting what how our, our spaces are becoming more and more and more cluttered as a result. And I, I was reading Psychology Today probably about five years ago, and I read an article by Sherry Berg Carter, who's a psychologist. Something that stood out for me in what she wrote was that, quote, clutter can play a significant role in how we feel about our homes, our workplaces, and ourselves. Messy homes and workspaces leave us feeling anxious, helpless, and overwhelmed. Yet, rarely is clutter recognized as a significant source of stress in our lives. And I was thinking about this, you know, I, I grew up in two different households. I grew up in 
a, a house, my mother's house, which was very cluttered. She did a lot of random shopping. She liked to quote unquote collect things and her house was stressful for me. Um, I didn't really like to be there. When I lived with her, I actually spent a lot of time organizing, cleaning things up. I would rearrange the furniture in the living room and the kitchen all the time because it was just an opportunity to clear the space. And it felt like chaos to me. Every surface had a million things on it. The coffee table always had an array of different items. The dining room table was never clear. Even the bedroom that I would sleep in when I would visit, I would have to clear off the bed of her items in order to sleep in it. And it just made my mind race. It just made me want to fix it. And then there was my dad's house. And when my parents lived together, the house was more along the lines of his aesthetic. He was in the military, so he's very neat and tidy. He's very clean, uh, very minimalist, you could say. Uh, you would walk in and everything was in its place and everything was clean. And there was room to walk around the furniture and you knew where everything was in the kitchen. And it was just, it, it calmed you down immediately and you could just relax. So that is sort of, that's been sort of the aesthetic that I've preferred in my life. I'm not perfect, you know, I'm looking at my desk right now and you know, I could use a little refresh. I could use, I could put some things away. But I'd say overall, I've managed to maintain a relatively clean aesthetic. And I've done it over the years with, you know, living with spouse, living with a, a raising a kid, you know, and all of the things that come with living with other people and their own personal aesthetic, their own personal items, clutter, and their means of cleaning those things up. And at some point, I just quit fighting it, and I just created a system so that there were at least a few areas in the house that I could keep clear, and it was a calming space for everyone. So I'll share with you what these uh, methods are and how they work. Fixing a cluttered household takes some time. It depends on how much clutter you have. It could take you quite a bit of time, particularly if you have any emotional attachments to anything that you own. You can really simplify the process by just moving zone by zone or room by room and setting little bite-sized goals. So maybe that will mean just one drawer at a time in the kitchen or one drawer at a time in the bathroom. Or maybe you just do the bathroom countertop today or the dining room table, whatever it is. Um, you can start slow. If you don't have as much stuff, you could tackle an entire room. Like you could uh, tackle your entire wardrobe all at once. That means shoes, coats, scarves, hats, sweaters, all the clothes in your day-to-day -day closet, pajamas, anything in your dresser, anything that's hidden under your bed, anything that you store in suitcases, out-of-season clothes, etc. You could throw all that stuff in a pile and go through it one by one. I've done both methods over time. So I think it's better to just think about your life, your goals, and what you realistically have time for and start there and just break it into pieces. Start slow. You know, if you overwhelm yourself, it's only going to make you feel more stressed. But I think as you move through and you take care of one area at a time, you're going to start to feel 
much more calm whenever you visit those places. So even if it's just your junk drawer, whenever you open that junk drawer, once you've gotten it all organized, you are going to feel like a winner. You, it is quite an accomplishment. You know, you take every single item out, you put it out on the countertop or whatever, sort it into categories. So let's say lighters, uh, pencils and pens, um, post-it notes, keys, uh, tools, whatever. It, organize things in a way that makes sense to you. Then you go through each of those little things one by one. So if you have 40 pens, take two pens or three pens, leave them where they are and take the other ones and put them maybe in the office. Maybe you have a little area in your office where your pens live. Great. Open the drawer, put it with all the other pens. Take all of your paper clips. Maybe you have a paper clip bowl or a little container you could stick in the drawer, put your paper clips inside of that. Keys, put your keys inside of one. You can go online and you can buy, you know, organizational things to like put in your drawers, or you can use boxes that you already have. Um, you can use little shoe boxes or you can use little bowls. I'll go to the thrift store and I'll find little plates or bowls um, or sometimes just small boxes that people will donate. And I just piece together a little system. Once I realize, once I look and see exactly what I need to organize, I can find things usually within my space or at a, a thrift store that I can utilize. And if you can't find it there, you could purchase something at like, you know, an organization store or a craft store or whatever, but minimize your waste, you know, minimize waste whenever you can. That's my philosophy. If you can find something within your home that will work functionally to store things that you need stored, use it. If you have to buy something else, do it. It's going to make your life easier no matter what. And once you have everything organized for as in our example within that drawer, you're always going to have that place set and ready to go. You know exactly where things are. You know exactly where those things belong. So if you find those items, you can put them back in that spot. You could also try something called the Ruthless Declutter Challenge, which I've done a few times. It's probably for someone who enjoys these types of things, who works well with maybe like a deadline or some sort of like a, a challenge. You could even enlist your friends and you could take pictures of all the crap you're getting rid of and it keeps you accountable. You know, you can kind of play with it or you could just do it on your own. I've done it on my own probably five times and it is difficult. It's easy at first. This is how it goes. You start at the beginning of the month. Day one, you get rid of one item. Day two, you get rid of two items. Day three, three items. You get the picture. And then by the end of the month, you've gotten rid of around 500 items. And you can choose from any area of your house. You can start in one area and then move to another area, whatever makes sense for you. Um, usually by the end, you're kind of scrambling around your house looking for 30 items from wherever you can find it. But it's, it's, it's fun. It is interactive. It, it makes you, it sort of forces you to look at everything that you own as a whole and really identify quickly what is not being used, what you no longer need or want. And you can donate it. You can donate it to thrift stores. You can donate it to office supplies. You can take them to donate to schools. Uh, you can donate clothes to women's shelters, homeless shelters. Sky's the limit. There's all kinds of charitable organizations or schools that would love any of those items. So 
there's a lot of opportunity for generosity through this process. So those are a few of my, my tips for how to really attack the problem and fix it. So now let's talk about how to prevent the problem. So once you've gone through all of your stuff, you're probably going to feel a little crazy once you look at the sheer volume of things that you've amassed that you no longer need, use, or want. And it may make you start thinking about the way that you shop. Why do you purchase these things? When do you purchase these things? Are you buying things because you can't find them? And so you buy multiples or are you buying things because you're bored? Or maybe you're just not satisfied with your life. Something else is going on with you. Perhaps there's an emotional hole that you're trying to fill. Um, it's really good to take a look at these things and get to the bottom of it. Really look at it. Really face it head on. Because And maybe maybe you need the help of uh, a therapist to help you to really identify and to really dig deeper into why it is that you might feel these ways. Um, but once you've kind of started that process of really investigating your behavior, investigating the cause, then you can start thinking about how to prevent this from happening in the future. Changing up your habits so that now your, your new habits are going to support your clutter-free life, your life of less emotional shopping or, you know, your life of only buying what you know that you need and not just buying because you can't find what you probably already own. So I have three things that I do in my home that help immensely to keep the clutter down to a minimum. So the number one thing that I do is I've created a drop zone. Basically, when I walk in my front door, I have a shoe cabinet. So I drop my keys in a bowl on, on the top. I put my mail on the top as well. Then I put my sunglasses in the drawer. My wallet goes in the drawer. I hang my coat right next to it on a coat rack and I put my shoes in the cabinet. And then I walk in and from then on, I have designated some no drop zones. And those include my kitchen countertops, my dining room table, my coffee table, and my desk. So a no drop zone is designated areas throughout your home where you are not, you do not allow yourself to place any temporary items. So no mail or keys or whatever gets put on my dining room table uh, or my coffee table uh, or my desk. Everything goes in the drop zone when I walk in the door. Then I take the mail or anything that needs to go further into the house and I take it directly to where it belongs. I don't drop it on the coffee table. I don't drop it on the dining room table. If it's mail in particular, I'll try to open it right away. My recycling is in my kitchen, so I can recycle things right away, keep anything that's necessary, and I walk it straight to my office. And in my office, I have a similar system. No mail gets laid down on the surface of the desk. I have a organizational system on the side of my desk where I put pending mail that needs to be reviewed, uh, things that need to be filed, receipts that need to be scanned, and then uh, stationery and anything that's needed to mail something if I need to mail it, which no one ever does anymore. But occasionally you have to mail something. So anyway, that's my system. And it, it works really well. It keeps every surface clear. And then when I sit down at my desk, I have open workspace. 
I'm the kind of person that if I sit down at my desk and there's a mess, I, cl- I have to clean the mess. I can never focus on what I want to do because there's a mess in front of me. So if you're like that, you'll probably appreciate uh, a system like this. Then the third thing that I always have in my home is a donation box. And that's usually in my closet. And anytime I run across something that I either don't use, don't want, don't need, I just put it in the box. And you can have different boxes. Let's say you have one in the office and you have office supplies. A lot of those office supplies, as I mentioned earlier, could go to schools or whatever that you could, you could donate very easily to someplace that would really be able to utilize those items. So if it works for you to have one in your office and then one in your closet, do it. Whatever works best for you. The point is to have a specific spot in your home where you can put things that will be donated in the future. So whenever that box is full, I remove it and I go donate it to the designated place. It just keeps everything clean and clear. Then I don't have a bunch of, let's say, clothes in my closet that are I'm never wearing, that are just hanging there mocking me because I've purchased them and <laughs> I never wear them. And I can just remove them. I know I'm not going to wear them. There are multiple systems in place for certain areas of your house, in particular the closet. The closet is a a big one for a lot of people um, that will help you to reduce the number of items that you have in your closet. The cleaner and clearer your closet, the more space your clothes will have to hang. So they hang much more nicely. They don't have wrinkles. You can easily get them in and out. And then if you have an item that you are not wearing, you put it in the donation box. Easy as that. Some people like to sell certain items and donate others. That's fine. Again, this goes back to having your own personalized system. So maybe you have a box of items that you want to sell and another box of items that you know you're just going to donate. It works either way, whatever way works best for you. And then when it's full, you either sell it or donate it. Boom. Easy. A lot of people purchase these monthly subscription boxes, and it can be from anything from cooking related to um, pet related to clothing related or skincare and makeup related, which you get a lot of kind of not very great products in those boxes. So from what I understand, most people that subscribe to these things get items that they just are never going to use. And then they're just stuck with it. So what do you do with it? Do you stop getting it altogether. Maybe you're getting a box for your pet that includes pet toys and a leash and a bowl and all this crap, and you already have those things. What, how, how frequently do you need a new leash? I had my dog for nine years. She had two leashes. One was for running. It was a hip leash clipped uh, around my waist. And then the other one was just a regular leather leash. And I never, ever needed another leash. Um, I suppose if your dog is a dog that chews through these things, then my point is that you need to customize these things. And if they're not functional for you, it's better to cancel it because it's just wasteful. It's, It's a lot of shipping. That's a lot of packaging and a lot of gas being used. And I mean, aren't we all concerned about the environment right now? The more you purchase items online unconsciously, the more environmental waste you're creating. So really investigate what percentage of the items that are coming in your subscription box are you actually using. And I mean, honestly, if it's less than 
50%, 60% of the items that come in that box, maybe you just stop at the local pet store and get those items when you need them. You're going to spend less money. You're going to create less waste. And it won't be just this mindless thing that just comes to your house constantly. Um, and then in terms of impulse buying, I have a 72-hour rule. If I see something that I like and it was not on my list or I didn't go there to purchase it, I will leave the store if I'm at a store or I'll put it in my shopping cart online and then I will close out the window. And then I wait 72 hours. And if I'm still thinking about that item, if I still really want it, if it's replacing something that is worn out, needs to be donated or repurposed, well, maybe I go buy it. It, de it depends on what it is. But in terms of impulse buying, I have really worked on eliminating this impulse in myself. And it has saved me a lot of money, I'm sure. Um, I actually used to do this thing where anytime I would not purchase something on impulse, I would take the money I would have spent and put it in a high yield savings account. <laughs> this is like next level. Put it in the high yield savings account and at the end of the month, you'll see exactly how much you almost impulse bought. And you can invest that money or whatever. Maybe you, you know, you actually did want one of those items. <laughs> you can go back and buy it with, with some of the many dollars that you have saved now from not impulse buying. Um, anyway, that, uh, that's just some things that I have done. Um, I avoid aspirational purchases. These are items that are because you want to be a certain person. I'll give you a personal example. I want to build my own tiny house. It's just a goal that I have. Now, I could go out and start buying a bunch of tools, and I could start buying some supplies. I could buy a trailer. I could rent a garage, but I don't have time in my life right now to build a tiny house, and I'm not ready. So by doing all of that, I am buying aspirationally. So I'm spending money and I'm just cluttering up my house now with all of these tools and supplies. I don't have room for it. I don't have a, a plan or structure, you know, and it, you could even simplify this to, to suit your own life. What about, um, okay, let's say this is, this is the year you're finally going to um, lose 20 pounds and you want to buy a pair of jeans that are going to fit you when you've lost that 20 pounds and you guess what size am I going to be? Let's say you're a size... 12 right now, and you want to be a size six. Well, what if your body doesn't want to be a size six? What if you adopt a routine that builds really healthy musculature on your body and the size six, you'll never fit in the size six because your musculature just will not allow it to fit properly, but an eight looks incredible on you. So now you've purchased this size six pair of jeans as an aspirational purchase, and you're just looking at it every day. It's kind of mean to do to yourself because you're forcing yourself to look at this, <laughs> look at this thing that you've spent money on in hopes that you're going to get there. But there are any number of reasons that a goal like that might not come to fruition. Maybe you get injured. Anything could happen. Any, anything that could prevent you from accomplishing that goal. Honestly, when it comes to clothing, you should purchase what looks and feels good on you right now today. Wear the clothes that make you look and feel your best according to your style. Avoid purchasing things that you can't wear right now because it's just a waste of money. When are you going to wear them? You don't even know. You have no clue. 
So, and then, you know, same goes for skincare and makeup. If it's, if you haven't used it in two years and it's open, you need to ditch it. Skincare and makeup have a maximum of 24 month shelf life. And this includes anything that is in a jar, anything that is in a tube, anything that's been opened and unsealed. Usually 24 months is the max and you can find the number on the back. Uh, it's usually listed right on the back of the label. And uh, this excludes any liquids like mascara, um, liquid eyeliners, anything that's going right by your eyeballs that is a liquid or a gel. You want to replace these every two months because they will dry out. They get bacteria in the tube and you don't want that around your eyeball because you could get an infection. And then sunscreen is different as well because sunscreen expires after one year. So there's an expiration date printed on your sunscreen products, whether they be moisturizers or just standalone sunscreens, look at your expiration dates. And if it's expired, get rid of it. Don't donate it. No one should be using those products. They're not healthy. They can start to harbor bacteria. They can actually cause problems to occur on the body, on the skin. And then of course there's the smell test. So if you open up a liquid blush or a cream blush or some kind of a makeup item and it doesn't smell good, a lipstick, ugh. if you open up a lipstick and it smells, toss it. It's bad. Uh, that goes on your mouth. You're going to eat that throughout the day. So these are just sort of like some simple ways to prevent and to reduce your overall clutter. Um, and, you know, you'll find once you start to implement some of these things and you get your space really cleared and cleaned, you're going to feel calmer when you walk in your door. You're going to have a system in place so that all of your items have a place to go immediately when you walk in the door. Your spaces and surfaces are clear from clutter and it really allows your mind to rest. And it's sometimes you don't even really notice it. It's just you, you feel more comfortable in your home. There's like a sense of calm that descends. I don't know if you've ever lived in a cluttered home like I did when I was a kid, but I felt an immediate difference. I don't know that I necessarily knew that that was what was causing it, but I knew that my mother's house had a frenetic energy and that she never really relaxed when she was home. And I knew that when I went to my dad's house, it was very calm and peaceful. And it wasn't until I was a little older that I realized why that was. If you've ever lived in something like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So get started. I mean, start today. You can do a ruthless declutter challenge starting on day nine. Why not get rid of nine things in your house? Start on day nine. You don't have to start on day one. Start where you are. You know, why wait? So get, get started. And I will probably see you in line at the thrift store with all of our donations. Thanks for listening. Please rate me, follow, and share. You can find me, as always, on social media at Power Spa Seattle. Feel free to shoot me a voicemail or comment on Spotify or email me at hello at powerspaseattle.com. Let me know if you have a subject you'd like me to talk about or a question that you'd like answered, and I will see you next Monday. Bye-bye.